And with that, we have our, our guest speaker today is Tammy Kettleson. So Tammy's been here to, to speak a good bit, so I don't think she needs any introductions. Tammy, would you come on up and would you guys welcome Tammy? Well, good morning, church. I'm always grateful for the opportunity to be with our LifeBridge family, and I'm super excited to be here to kind of help end this campaign that you guys have been in and talking about the table, talking about community. What does community look like, and how do we do better at community? And so this morning, we're going to be talking about hospitality, and I wonder, when you hear the word hospitality, what do you think about? Do you think about hotels and luxury and getting away from doing all of your own chores at home and cleaning up your own space? Or do you think about the times when people have come into your space and maybe you're a little stressed out and maybe the thought of having to be hospitable in your home can cause anxiety or a bit of anxiousness in you? Well, when I think of hospitality, I think of the Henry family. In 2005, Levi and I and our brand new baby, um, Bailey, moved to Michigan. And when we moved there, we didn't know anybody. We had no friends. We had no family. It was just the three of us against the world. And immediately, the Henry family invited us in. They invited us over for dinner, and we started to eat there actually frequently, and it became an open invitation for us. Anytime we needed to or we wanted to have a meal with them, we could come right on over. And eventually, uh, Judy Henry, who was the mother we affectionately called Mama Judes, um, was uh, always taking care of our kids for us. Every Wednesday night, she would watch Bailey and eventually our second-born, Ava, um, so that I could go to church and serve alongside my husband in youth ministry. And, and so she would um, teach them Bible stories, and she would sing with them, and she would play with them. She actually helped this inexperienced mom potty train my oldest um, for the first time, and I used her technique for all three of my girls. It was fantastic. So Mama Jude's and Big Dave became our surrogate parents and our surrogate grandparents for our family as we were so far away from home. You know, we, this morning I don't want us to just think about what some of the expressions of hospitality are. I want us to really think about what is the definition of hospitality. So I want us to start first with the New Testament definition of hospitality, because I strongly believe that if we can understand the definition of what Scripture says hospitality is, that it's going to challenge us. It will stretch us, it will teach us, and it will cause us to realize that being hospitable is actually more sacrificial than you may have thought. So in the New Testament, the Greek word is Please forgive me because I do not speak fluent Greek. It's not my first language. Um, and so the Greek word is philoxenos. And the first part of this word is philos, which means beloved, dear, friendly, equal. The root word of this word is phil, which is to convey experiential or personal affection. Philos is an expression of experienced-based love. An expression, that means showing something that we've experienced, a true love that we get from God. We get to show that to others. And the second part of this word is exenos, which means foreigner, stranger, 
traveler, outsider, other. So when we look at scripture and we see this word philoxenos, what we see is that it is loving a stranger, showing brotherly love, conjuring up affection for another, seeing the other person as equal, a love directed towards others. When we first moved to Michigan, we felt like foreigners. We felt like the outsiders. We didn't know where the grocery store was. We didn't know where the gas station was. We needed a doctor for our brand new baby. She was only less than three months old at the time. We didn't even know how to make left turns in Michigan. Have you guys ever gone to another state and thought, why in the world do they do this? Like things that are normal in this state are not normal in other states. In Michigan, to turn left, you actually have to pass the street you're wanting to turn left on, and then you do a U-turn about a half a mile down the road, you come back to the street, and you make a right to turn left. We did not know that, and it was so strange. I think the first time we were there, I was sitting at a a light with my blinker on, people were honking behind me, and I'm thinking, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to turn left. And then down the road, I saw a sign, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. So in Michigan, you don't make left turns, but we didn't know that. And so the Henry family showed us in their love and in their kindness, they took time to teach us these things, to show us where the grocery stores were, to introduce us to different doctors. Judy was actually a nurse, and so she suggested and recommended certain places for us to go. And they were so kind and so gentle and so patient with us as we were learning how to be a part of this community. They chose not to look at us as the others, but to bring us in to become one of them. Some of you this morning might also be feeling like an outsider. Maybe this is your first time or your second time here and and you don't know where the bathrooms are or you don't know when it's appropriate to stand or to sit or you don't know how long this is going to go or what's after this or when I'm going to be done. It's all new to you. And I think sometimes us as regular attenders and a part of church, we can take for granted what's normal in here and miss the outsider or the other in the room that might need somebody to come alongside them and care for them and help them know what normal in here looks like. We're still very close to the Henry family. Mama Jude's was here with her grandson this summer and spent the weekend with us. But I don't know that we would be as close as we are to them today if they had not opened their home and opened their hearts and shown us what true hospitality looked like. When your pastor reached out to me to um, speak this weekend, he gave me a few options of some topics that would be appropriate for this um, campaign, and I chose hospitality. And the reason I chose it is not because I'm great at it. I chose it because it's the one I actually needed to work a little bit more on. It's the one that I needed to challenge myself in a little bit. So this morning as I'm teaching, I'm not teaching from a a space of mastery, but I'm teaching from a posture of learning right alongside of you. So when we look at scripture and we look for this word, um, hospitality, we see it pop up a few times specifically with this Greek word. And when we see this word hospitality, it isn't in there as an optional extra. It's not even spoken as a spiritual gift. It's actually described as an instruction. 
It's a command to us, and it's an instruction to Christians, to leaders, and to influencers to show hospitality. I heard a message a few years ago um, on this by Joe Saxton, and so I'm, I'm kind of borrowing some of her points and building on that this morning. But there are three specific times that we see this word in Scripture. And I would love to get us to think about and to ponder and really take personally the implications of hospitality in our own worlds. So the first one is hospitality towards another. When we look at 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10, it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as, God, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Can't forget that part. Without grumbling. You see, the climate in our nation can be very divisive, right? We can find ourselves more focused on our thoughts and our opinions and our needs and desires. We are thinking more about right now and in this moment. How can I win this debate right now? How can I convince this person across from me my views and what I'm thinking? And how can I make them see things my way rather than how can I make this person feel loved? How can I make this person feel seen and feel heard, whether I agree with them or not? How can I show them love without complaining about it or without complaining about them? When we look at who Jesus did life with, it, it honestly does not make any sense. They were across socioeconomic groups. They were across, across political spectrums, and yet he called them friends. And when we look at the early church, we see churches like the church in Antioch, where their leadership, not just those who gathered, but the leadership of this church, were a group of people from different ethnicities, different social classes, leading together as equals. There was Barnabas. He was a wealthy man from Cyprus and a Hellenistic Jew. Simon, who was a man of color, some have suggested that he was the one who actually helped Jesus carry the cross to Golgotha. Lucius, he was from Cyrene, an African. There were thoughts that he was one of the persecuted believers that fled and immigrated from Jerusalem to Antioch. Menaean, he, he was from Palestine, a Greek who was of the highest class of society. And then Saul, who was from Tarsus a Hebraic Jew who was also one of the religionists in society. This group of people, different theological backgrounds, different traditions, different upbringings coming together to form and to lead the early church. You know, the Lord called these men, nobody else, into fellowship and into leadership positions, people from several nations, a group of people that at that time could actually be led to believe that they could reach the nations. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. This could not have happened in the Jerusalem church because they were not open to other backgrounds and upbringings and theological ideas. They decided to look at the other and see the potential of what working together as a group could do for the world. 
seeing the other as an equal, even in a world that did not see them actually as equal. But they didn't stop there. They didn't stop with just this circle of men. They opened their circle and they decided to see all the others out there and they began to draw them in. The church today is what it is, not because of just five men who decided to gather in a huddle, but they decided to gather and open their circle to people who were not like them, who were others. When we think of our faith communities, what does it look like for us to show hospitality to others? I wonder, who is your other? Who is the other in your life? You know, for some of us, it, it might be somebody of a different ethnicity or someone of a different background than you, someone who is maybe differently able than you. I wonder if it's somebody that has different theological ideas than you. Now that you, you might have them around your table for a meal and you might have them in your home and you might even um, maybe donate their direction, but do you see them as your equal? Do you see them on the same space as you? Will you love them with an affection like family? I think the challenge that Peter said then and that we're faced with today is whether or not we can show one another hospitality, conjuring up the affection for the other. The second time we see this in scripture, um, it's hospitality toward community beyond these church walls. The Hebrew church were given these words, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Hebrews 13, 2. You see, the Hebrew church at this time was not liked. They were under pressure and they were dealing with some really tough times. But even in the midst of these tough times, when they could have pulled away, they could have gone inward and not dealt with the outside world, the challenge to them was actually to move forward, to extend outward. The challenge was to show hospitality to the stranger, someone not like them, to the other, to the foreigner. You see, hospitality was a habit in the early church. In the first century church, it was a regular thing that they did this. In his book, The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark, he accounts the times when the early church would stick around during the plagues in Rome. While everyone else was fleeing for their own safety and, and moving out of the space to protect themselves and their family, the church stayed. The church remained. They stuck around and they helped those that were sick and those that were dying they chose to care even if it was at risk to their own safety and may even cost them their life because to them, this life was just a prelude to eternity. They knew what was important. They weren't afraid of the other. They weren't afraid of the foreigner. So they didn't pull away, but they actually moved toward the other. For us today and our current context, what would that look like for you to show love to a stranger, to show love to the other? And what would it look like for us to do this knowing that the other is an equal to us, made in the image of God with potential, with beauty, value, and purpose 
just like you and I. Does anyone in the room remember full-service gas stations? Anybody? Okay. So full-service gas stations weren't really necessarily around when I got my driver's license, but I saw them in TV shows and in movies, and they don't necessarily exist a lot anymore except in two states. There are two states that are considered to be full-service gas station states. In Jersey, New Jersey and in Oregon, it is actually illegal for a person to get out and pump their own gas. They have to be pumped by the attendant that works at the gas station. Well, nowadays, for most of us in this room, I would say all of us in this room, since I do also live in Burlington, um, we get out of our car, we pump our own gas, we pay at the pump, we get back in our car, and we leave. No connection with anyone, no conversation with anyone. It's all about me getting this done. Does anyone remember the movie Back to the Future, the first one? Okay, there was this moment when Marty McFly lands in his hometown in the 1950s, and he sees a full-service gas station for the first time. There's somebody that pulls into the gas station, and out of the station come four uniformed men. One begins to pump the gas, the other checks the tires, one checks the oil, and the other one washes the windows. And all of these were perks. They were included in you showing up and getting gas. That all changed in the 1970s. Today, we can almost feel insulted that we pull up to a pump and pay almost $4 a gallon for our gas. We pump it ourselves, and nobody thanks us, and nobody gives us a reward for doing it. Unfortunately, I think that we live a lot of our life like this, though. Self-service. We have self-serve ice cream stations, self-serve soda stations. We can go to Panera, order at a computer, sit down, not having to have any conversation with anybody at all. We work from home. We can go to church virtually. We could actually live our lives without having any interaction with the outside world. We look to serve ourselves at times more than serving others. And this is not how God intended us to live our lives. We aren't supposed to go outside these walls simply to fuel ourselves and to serve ourselves without seeing others around us. What if outside of these four walls, we lived our life like those four gas station attendants? We go above and beyond. We see what needs to be done and we make it happen. We check things out for people. We engage and we do it without reward. In our world, we have an entire industry called hospitality. There are companies that actually have entire teams that focus on hospitality um, just for the whole organization. That's all their job is, is to figure out how to be hospitable as an organization, care for their clients, their customers, and their staff. The Ritz-Carlton is one of the leading companies in hospitality, and their motto for their employees is ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. It's a simple statement, but it has really big implications. And I wonder what is your motto or what is your family's motto for hospitality, for serving others? What is your motto when you leave the home on how you care for the people around you? Have you ever thought to create one of those while you're training up your children. 
The third place that we see this specific word for hospitality in scriptures is the hospitality of leaders and influencers. We see this in 1 Timothy and in Titus. We see this as qualifications that Paul is describing for leadership in the church, the values that we should seek out and we should look for when we are looking for leaders in our spaces. In both of these times, he mentions hospitality. We should look for leaders who seek to love the other, the alien, the foreigner. Love them as family and as equals. On one level, this should not surprise us because when Jesus was here on this earth, we see in scripture that he was the person who called Zacchaeus, who was an enemy of the people, to come out of a tree so that he could have dinner with him. We see a Jesus who touches the leper without care or concern if it causes him to be unclean. We see a Jesus who goes to tables of people who are deemed sinners and he shows them compassion and acceptance. He welcomes them into conversation and he welcomes them into his family. He wasn't trying to protect his reputation. He wasn't trying to protect what he had. He was looking to show love. I think in this passage Paul is addressing the church specifically, but we can often take the principles in Scripture and apply them to our life outside of the church walls. What does it look like to be a leader in your workplace, in your school, to have influence in your family? I wonder if what Paul was saying here is that to have all of this, we have got to be hospitable. (coughs) Sorry. The reality is we all have influence. We all are leaders somewhere or to someone. We all live our life with somebody looking up to us or at us, someone who values our advice, somebody who has maybe taken um, a decision uh, the way we have suggested a time or two. There's influence there. And I'm wondering, how are you stewarding that influence? Don't lead to simply gain something, whether that's followers or status or influence or finances, we lead to help others get what they need. That's what Jesus modeled for us. And I wonder what that would look like in our spaces, yes, in our churches, but in our places of work and in our schools and in the store and every space that we enter, what would it look like for us to show up looking how to be hospitable to those around us. So let's talk practically as we close this morning. The first thing that we talked about was how do we, or showing up hospitality to one another. So how do we show hospitality to one another here in our church, in our family here? Well, you can volunteer in the kids' ministry, right? You can volunteer at the door. You can Help make coffee in the morning. Help with the sound. There's different spaces that you can volunteer to help care for and be hospitable to your family, this body of Christ right here in these four walls. You can choose to be friendly even on the Sundays you're not serving. Even on the Sundays you're not scheduled to greet at the door, you could still greet. Do you know that's a thing? You can invite those who seem to come alone and sit alone out for a meal, help get to know them and help bring them into the fold of what LifeBridge is. Do what you can to see others in this room 
and in this building and to help them feel seen and known. The second thing we talked about is hospitality toward a community. So how can we show hospitality in the community? Well, be observant. Observe your surroundings and help when needed. At gas stations, at your workplace, at the grocery store, offer a hand to the mom with small kids, to the elderly. And if you're a little bit taller, help offer a hand to the vertically challenged in this world. I have pulled things off of top shelves for people multiple times in stores. Just see what's around you and choose to step into that rather than shy away from it. Smile. Choose the longer line and start a conversation with somebody because it could be the only conversation they have that day. Volunteer on your serve days here at LifeBridge. Volunteer at Hoops for Hope. Um, help get other people at Hoops for Hope. Be a recruiter. Maybe you have the time and you have the resources in your life right now to open your home through, say, families or foster care. Maybe there's someone you know that's lonely and that's needing a family or a friend to welcome them in. Open your home for a meal. Give an open invitation to them to join your family for dinner whenever they need to or want to. And the third thing we talked about was hospitality as leaders and as influencers. So how do we show hospitality as leaders in the room? We walk in humility. We love without judgment. We are kind and we are patient. We choose to give rather than to gain. See, we have plenty of things that we can disagree about. We have plenty of things that we could see that set us apart from the other. But I would ask you, what if this word, this scripture in 1 Peter 1, uh, the uncommon practice, the unpopular phrase of this instruction to show hospitality without Grumbling, what if you took it personally? What if you take it personally, how you do family, how you do uh, community, take it personally, how you do friendships? And if you don't know somebody who is your other yet, can I suggest that it's time? It's time to open your circle. It's time to show hospitality to somebody who is not like you to others beyond your race, beyond your walls, beyond your economic group, beyond your comfort zone, beyond, beyond all that made you, you. It's time to open up and see others as equal to you and to offer it freely. Yes, because it's an instruction, and yes, because it's an opportunity, but honestly, if we do this, it's a gift. It's a gift to others, but it's also a gift to us. And so I'm going to close with this story in Matthew 25. Jesus is teaching about the final judgment, and he says this to those that are around him in Matthew 25, verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did I see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did I see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did I see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, 
Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are such a gracious God, that you are a God who is constantly inviting us into your plan and into your purpose for others. I thank you that you saw each of us and you brought each of us at some point into your family. You chose us. You chose to see us and you brought us in as an equal to the body of Christ. God, I pray that you help us take this instruction seriously to show love to the other, to experience an interaction with people who are not like us, an exchange of love and care and friendship. God, that we will be part of the plan in someone's life of showing them that they are loved and that they are seen by, seen by a heavenly father, the one who created them. I pray that as this campaign is ending for a community, the table, Lord God, that everything that's been taught and that has been spoken and, and the training that has happened will, will begin to create roots in our lives, that we go out into this space and that this is the moment that we actually begin. Though this is ending, we are beginning to put into practice what it is that we know your Bible says about community and that we become more of a biblical community than the worldly community. God, we thank you for what you're doing here at LifeBridge. We give you the rest of this morning in your name.